0: Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. When you sign up, you'll receive an email every week with a grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. It takes only one to three hours of prepping on the weekend and then you have amazingly delicious and healthy meals all week. Allison, the chef at Prep Dish, she is also a dietitian, and she comes up with the most delicious combinations of flavors and foods. She has a pumpkin smoothie bowl on the menu this week because hello October, and it is so delicious. You guys have to try out Prep Dish if for nothing else to save time, but also to have fresh, new, fun, easy, healthy recipes to try. You guys, listeners of my show, can get two weeks for free of this service. When you go to PrepDish.com slash another, you can get a free two-week trial. That's PrepDish.com slash another. And hey, while you're at it, go check out my episode with Allison, the founder. It's episode 118 of the podcast. I think you're really going to love getting to know her. All right, guys. Today on the show, it's episode 143, and I'm talking with Allie Dean. Allie is a runner. She's an author. She's a mom of twins, and she is a friend of one of my former guests, Neely Spence Gracie. I first heard about Allie when I interviewed Neely, and I asked Neely what her favorite most recent book was that she was reading, and she mentioned one of Allie's books. So I started following Allie, and I read one of her books, and I think she is so fun and inspiring, and I just had to interview her. You guys, she is a lawyer turned author. So she went to school to be a lawyer, obviously, did that full time in really realized her passion for writing and has turned that into her full-time career. So you guys know I love talking to an entrepreneur who's doing things their way. It was really inspiring to hear her um, talk about how she made that switch, though. And uh, she's also a 301 marathoner, so no big deal there. She's really fast. All right, and before we get started talking with Allie, I've got two things I want to bring up. One is I am so excited to be doing a live show in New Hampshire with my friend Sarah Kenny. Really excited about this. If you guys are in that area, in that neck of the woods, we are doing a live podcast the same weekend she is doing the Seacoast Half Marathon Race Meetup. So I've got guests Katie Edwards, Jessica Goldman, and Deb Gardner joining me for this live podcast. It's going to be a blast. And if you guys go to riserunretreat.com, you can find all the information there. I will also put links to register in the show notes. We're going to have awesome, awesome swag bags really fun conversation and laughter and I cannot wait to get there and meet so many new faces and just have a really fun night. So thankful for friends like Sarah who coordinate events like this to get and bring women together. And I want to thank one more sponsor before we get jumping into this conversation, and that is Ubiome. Your gut is home to trillions of microbes, about as many as the amount of human cells in your body. Those microbes may affect your health in countless ways. They may help you digest food, manufacture vitamins, improve your mood, or even fight off illness. So, you've got places to be. Is your gut keeping up? You can find out with Smart Gut by Ubiome. Smart Gut is a quick and easy at home test that helps you understand if your gut bacteria are working with you or against you by screening for microbes associated with IBS, IBD, and other chronic conditions. Sampling is quick and easy and it takes less than three minutes. SmartGut is healthcare provider ordered and reimbursed by most health insurance. Request your smart gut test today. Just go to ubiome.com another. That's u-b-i-o-m-e.com another. Links to that will be in the show notes at lindseyhine.com. All right, guys, let's go ahead and enjoy my conversation with Allie Dean. So today on the show we have Allie Dean, and I'm really excited to have you on today, Allie. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So I heard about you from Neely spence Gracie. You guys are good friends. Yeah, she lives
1: down the road from me.
0: Yeah, she, um, at the end of my episodes, I always do like, what book are you reading right now? Or what's the best, most recent book? And she mentioned your Pepper Jones series books.
1: Yeah, I was so glad that she read them because I haven't really... Marketed them to the running community that much yet, but I think that runners can really enjoy them.
0: Yeah. So let's tell everybody a little bit about who you are in your life. You are a mom of twins, girl boy twins, yes. right? Yes. Girl boy twins. Four. And yep, four and a half. Where do you, Where do you guys? I know you live near Neely. Is she? Are you guys in Boulder?
1: Yeah, we're in Boulder County.
0: Okay, so you're in like the mecca of Endurance athlete world. Yes, and you're a runner. You're a swimmer. You are a uh, used to be lawyer. I guess technically you're still considered a lawyer,
1: though, right? I'm still considered a lawyer. I'm just not really practicing. I have a couple of pro bono cases that I still work on, but and I'm not. I've gone full time writing now. So, and you're an author, and I'm an author. Yeah. So
0: tell us a little bit about your life growing up with with sports and everything, that's always been a huge part of your life. And you guys, we are talking to someone who is a 301 marathoner, but also was swimming the butterfly at age five. I can't even imagine that because my six-year-old can hardly doggy paddle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I haven't done such a good job with my kids because they're four and a half and there's, yeah, can hardly doggy paddle. So there you go. Um, (laughs) I went to kindergarten at the YMCA, so that helps force me force me in the pool at an early age but that's like a
0: really hard stroke like the butterfly I don't think I ever actually figured out how to do
1: that yeah I can't really do it anymore to be honest um it's really hard but I used to be able to swim it very fast so this is the glory
0: days I guess (laughs) so you went to kindergarten at the Y and that's what is that kind of what instilled your love for sport or did your parents have something to do with that
1: who who was a part of that Um, I think that the YMCA got me swimming at an early age, but growing up in Vermont, to me, and and now I'm actually back visiting Vermont right now, so it's reinforcing this. Everyone plays sports. Everybody's outside all the time. Um, So it wasn't unusual to play a lot of different sports growing up. um, It seemed like most of my friends did the same thing.
0: And even so in the
1: harsh winters up there? Well, it's funny you say that. I, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's raising her kids in Vermont, and I asked how it is having young kids in the harsh winters. And she said, well, now I understand why my parents took us skiing every weekend. There's nothing else to do but, <laughs> but be outside in the mountains. Um, so, yeah, it made me tough. What part of Vermont did you grow up in? Just outside Burlington, yeah, oh, Lake Champlain.
0: Okay. Yep. okay. I once went to a wedding there in Middlebury. Okay. Yep. I'm about a half hour from Middlebury. Okay. We drove. So I think that Burlington, though, is where the closest airport would have been.
1: Yeah. The tiny little Burlington Airport is really the only airport around. Well, and this
0: was pre-kids, <laughs> and I remember we had only had our dog for about a year, and we took our freaking dog with us to this wedding, and then we drove to New York City to check that out. We had never been. I had never been. My husband, I think, had. Uh, but I was like, looking back, I'm like, why in the heck did we bring our dog with us? Yeah, why? <laughs> I could see Vermont, but New
1: York City does so much.
0: Yeah, we just scooted over there for just like one night, literally, but I... I think it's just because she was so new and we were like, we can't leave our dog at home and I'm like leaving babies at home when they're three
1: months old. Yeah, I know. It is funny to think we threw a birthday party for our dog when she was one and now she's just, you know, she's lucky if she gets a walk every once in a while. (laughs) I know. And you
0: know what? I'm getting really nostalgic about it because our dog is now 11 and there have been so many stressful moments in my home where I'm like, Cadence, be quiet. And, she, you know, she's driving me nuts because all three of the kids are wanting something and she's barking. And I'm like, oh, man, you were the first one, though. You were
1: the first one we had. I you know. a first baby. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a wake-up call for Neely's dog, Strider, too. She's, she just had her baby. <laughs> so, Did Neely have her baby? Yeah. Athens was born, I think, yesterday. Oh, my
0: gosh. I didn't know. Yeah. Okay, well, by the time this comes out, the baby will be like five or six weeks old. But That's I, ha- right. I I had no idea. Yeah. Because yeah. she's, she's due, I'm due in about, uh, I don't know, like 12 days or something. And she's she must have been right around her due date then when the baby came. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and she named it Athens. Yep. Oh, man. Okay, that makes it seem real to me because we were like do you, right do you next to
1: Athens Marathon. Oh, man. Hard, that's hardcore. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just made that up in my head. But Okay.
0: So <laughs> tell everybody how you know Neely and how you guys became friends.
1: So Neely raced against my sister-in-law um, in college and they were friends. And my sister-in-law was living with us for a little while and um, we would get together for runs and hang out with Neely as well. And so I kind of got to get to know her through, get to know her through my sister-in-law. And I think, um, she's mentioned this, so it's no HIPAA violation, but, um, my husband's a physical therapist too. So he's helped her as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So how did
1: you meet your husband? So we actually met on top of a mountain. Oh my Um, gosh. Stop. Stop right there. I know. Well, actually I was running, I was running up the mountain, um, (laughs) And he was in a bike race. And I thought I was way ahead of the race. I was there to cheer on my dad who was in the race. And I got to the last turnaround and everybody starts cheering and ringing their cowbells. And I'm really embarrassed because I thought I was just, you know, on a jog. And then I realized that my husband is way ahead of the field and he's coming up behind me and he was wearing hot green spandex, so I just <laughs> had to introduce myself. <laughs> During the race. Well, I waited for him to finish. But. <laughs> so did he win the whole did he end up winning? He won the race. So he already had my dad impressed before we even started dating.
0: So did you really go up to him after the race and be like, I just have to introduce myself or what did that look like?
1: I went up and I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry, I hope I didn't get in your way. I didn't realize <laughs> You were so far ahead of everybody else. (laughs) And then it actually turned out we were getting a ride down with the same person. He had taken the brakes off his bike to make it lighter so he couldn't ride down. And we had a mutual friend who was giving us a ride down from the top of the mountain. So, yeah, I got to hang out with him all sweaty and gross. It was great. So he
0: didn't have brakes on his bike because it was an all uphill race? Right. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So, is he in a, like a huge endurance athlete still as well?
1: You know, he wants to be, but his body won't let him, unfortunately. Um, yeah, he has really wacky hips. So, he's actually getting hip surgery in a few weeks. Um, oh my gosh, it's so young. I know, I know. Well, it's his second, it's actually his second hip surgery. Um, oh, wow. So, he, he can't really do any one sport very much, but he will. You know, occasionally show up for a five k with the double wide stroller and um, beat me, which is really obnoxious because <laughs> I run all the time and he runs once a week. Um, but
0: <laughs> my husband would beat me with the double stroller as well. That's yeah, not cool. Um, it's just not
1: cool,
0: <laughs> right? So then, how did I want to know? How did it the sweaty car ride after the break situation? How did that turn into getting married?
1: Well. Um, He was working at a ski and bike shop in town at the time because he was semi professional cyclist, but needed a real job, too. And as I'm sure many um, professional runners can relate to. So I went into the shop. My mom actually. So my mom had already met him as well. Small town living. (laughs) She was sold already. She had already bought bike shoes from him, so she, she needed to exchange them for different sides. So I offered to <laughs> go in for her <laughs> and exchange them. And um, we connected then, and then we decided to go out on a date, and I guess the rest is history from there. You were hoping, yeah.
0: you were hoping he would be working at the store when you offered to exchange your mom's shoes. Yes. You're hoping you'd be, he'd be on the schedule that day.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) All
0: right. So tell us about your professional career because you are a lawyer turned author. And talk to us about how you made the decision to make that career shift.
1: So I did not know I wanted to be a writer. I know that a lot of people who become authors Say, hey, this is what I wanted to do my whole life, and I finally did it. I, I always liked writing. I liked making up stories. I liked reading, but I just never really thought that being an author was a real job I could actually pursue. It just never, I guess, occurred to me. Um, so I went to law school, and I partly went to law school. Like I um, imagine a lot of people go to law school. I, again, liked reading and writing, and it just kind of made sense with my skill set. So um, I went to law school, and As soon as I got out of law school, I had my first job was um, clerking for a judge, which is actually a true nine to five job, um, which is rare in the legal field. So I had some free time on my hands because I didn't have kids yet. And I was commuting by bus and I was reading a lot of um, indie books. So self-published books, Mm -hmm. which had just become big. This was in 2011. They were just starting to get really big. And I found I actually liked the self-published books better than traditionally published books because they didn't fit neatly into a genre. They kind of did their own thing. Mm-hmm. And they were a little more gritty and raw and not as polished, but they tend to have have a better story in my opinion. And after reading a few, I thought, i think I think I could do that. Why don't i why don't I try writing a story too? And so I started writing a story about Pepper Jones. Did you self-publish the Pepper Jones series? I did. I I have never... I, I had an agent at one point, but I didn't really end up using her um, because I just love the self-published self self-publish autonomy, and I love the having total control over my business. So I haven't gone the traditional publishing route at all.
0: Well, and I've heard people say that our authors, if you can't get a publishing deal don't be scared to self-publish, but isn't that scary with the financial risk that you take? I don't know how much of a financial risk it is to actually self-publish. So can you tell us a little bit about that process?
1: Absolutely. So I, to me, there was very little risk. Um, the traditional publishing route seems like a big hassle. I also didn't think my my book would fit traditionally publishing. The main character starts out in high school, but it's, it contains mature content, which I think is authentic to a lot of high school experiences, Mm -hmm. but traditional publishers, at least at the time, they're now shifting. This was seven years ago or five years ago, I guess. Um, Weren't taking young adult books with that, of that nature. Um, So it was kind of a no brainer that I was going to self publish. Um, And to me, the only financial output I had, I paid a few hundred dollars for an editor I think my first time publishing, I actually did my own cover. Which, oh my gosh, I do not do that. Um, I could never. But,
0: oh my gosh, you did all the graphics for it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even know if you could call them graphics. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was a disaster. Um,
0: and but you could have, have paid c- someone like. 500 bucks or something
1: less than that you can yeah you could probably i mean i would spend 500 dollars. i think it's very important to have it a good cover yeah um but you could you could probably find someone to do it for um and so i had basically no overhead besides my time putting into the book and i didn't spend any money on marketing with my first book what about printing though so it's ebooks 98 percent of my sales are yeah uh, my ninety five percent of my sales are ebooks, so you can do print on demand and you just upload it and then they order the print book online. Oh well yeah, interesting because i I did buy
0: your book, the line below, and I read it and yeah it was it was an ebook it was three ninety nine I read it on my Kindle and I bought it on amazon but i i buy I read especially books like your books, the um fast fun reads like right. that i like right. I prefer to read those on my Kindle.
1: Yeah, and frankly, it, that's where everyone's reading now, especially for fiction. I think that the more nonfiction type books, um, or memoirs, or obviously cookbooks, tend to be paperback. And for those, you you probably do need a traditional publisher. Yeah, but for fiction and something that's, um, I, I, I call my works commercial fiction. They're meant to be sold to sort of a, a mass market. Um ebooks are really the the main sale point.
0: Okay, but do you ever dream of seeing your books on the shelves in like Barnes and Noble though? Are you feel, do you feel like you're missing out on that that feeling that you would get to see that?
1: You know, it's a good question. A lot of authors do feel that way. Personally, I I don't. I have had my books in a few in a few bookstores. A few bookstores have bought it, but the effort to coordinate all that, and even just taxes coming from different sources, oh, sure. um, isn't really worth it to me. I think it was just such a crazy phenomenon that I was making any money at all from these books.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I I didn't even tell my husband when I first published the first. Book. Are you serious? I, yeah, he knew I was working on something, and he knew I was planning on putting it out on the internet. He didn't even know. He thought it was just this little hobby. I thought it was just this little hobby. <laughs> and so when I started getting real money and royalty checks in my bank, I was just like flabbergasted. I mean, I still kind of am. I still am just like, this is this can't be real life. Um,
0: okay. So tell me about that process though, because that's, I don't understand that either. So you have eBooks. Your, was your first book, the Pepper Jones, like the first Pepper Jones yeah. book? Okay. Pepped yep. So pepped up, you start selling it online as an eBook. You get royalty checks. What, who are you getting the checks from? Amazon? What does that look like?
1: Amazon. So Amazon's now streamlined it. It used to be every single Amazon outlet. So Amazon India, Amazon Canada, Amazon Australia, every different platform would okay. send you a separate royalty check. And now they've streamlined it. So it's just one.
0: Okay. Okay. So you mentioned with the Pepper Jones series that it uh, going with a traditional publisher would have been hard because it's would have to be this like well manicured look and plus you had mature content and it was a young adult book so I wanted to talk about that because I read the line below which you just uh, released what was it in June yep yep it was in June. June I read it in I think three days
1: oh awesome yeah
0: it was really good it pulled me in quick I got to know the characters really fast Um, And you call it, I think that it's in like the new adult genre, right? Right, right. Okay, so what's the difference between young adult and new
1: adult? Okay, so good question, because that is something entirely um, motivated by self-publishers. So the new adult genre was created by self-published authors. It's primarily, it still has that coming of age theme. You're growing up. Um, learning to become an adult, but the characters are usually based in college so that it gives you sort of a free pass to contain mature content. And by mature content, I mean, things like underage drinking, those on all the time in, in college. Right. Um, but somehow having that in the high school setting isn't quite as is frowned upon, um, more so than in the college setting. Um, just navigating that world. Um, And I like to do it from an athlete's perspective. And so I moved my characters into college age and I did that in Pepper Jones series too. She eventually gets to college.
0: Okay. Well, And I, so I am notorious for reading multiple books at once. And I like to have a book like this where it's like zone out, just like get lost in the story. It's like reading. I mean, it's like watching like a sitcom on TV where you just don't have to think much and you just enjoy being a part of the character's lives. But I was like, there was this, I'm not going to give anything away, but like, At the beginning, one of the first scenes is like a dance scene and it's like pretty sexual and I'm like, whoa. And then later there are some like sex type scenes and this is what I was thinking. I enjoyed the book, but I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'd be so embarrassed if like my mom read that I wrote about this stuff or even my husband. So how do you... How do you like approach that with your family and, and your husband, obviously like you have sex with your husband, so he knows you're a sexual (laughs) being, but like, I I feel like I would be embarrassed for my husband to know I was like thinking that through and writing it out.
1: No, I love that you asked that. So this was the first book that had that in a little bit more detail um, than other, other books. Other books were a little more fade to fade to black. And it took me a while to get to that comfort point. Now, if you read romance a lot, um, which is a huge, huge genre, a lot of people don't admit they read it, but based on statistics, it's, I mean, it's a huge industry. Um, But if you read it a lot, my books are actually on the tame side. Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. Like, and and Um, people that have read like Fifty Shades or anything like that, this is nothing compared to that. But it's
1: definitely there. No, it's definitely there. So, um, but so it took me a while to be, to be brave about that and say, you know what, this is part of my story. The love story is a big piece of it. And I had people coming back to me saying, so my first draft, I would always contain those scenes and explain them. And then I'd get, I'd get nervous and take them out. I'd say, Oh, I, I can't actually publish that. I have to take that out, even though it felt natural writing. It felt like that's what I was supposed to write. And then I'd have my um, beta readers. So my readers are not editors, but they give feedback on the general flow of the story. They were all coming back saying this, you just completely ruined that scene. You, you stopped it when it was getting the direction it was supposed to go. And everyone was telling me I needed to add more. So I said, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice the story because I'm afraid what you know, aunt, whoever, <laughs> will think when she reads it. Um, I tell my parents not to read my books. I don't know if <laughs> they do. I think they might. I'm not sure. We don't talk about it. Um,
0: That's hilarious. I will,
1: tell, I will tell you this. My grandmother-in-law is one of my biggest fans. She's Aww. 93. Yeah, 93? She reads, she's 93. And she, <laughs> so when she read um, one of my books, I that had some more mature content in it and I found out she was reading it I got really nervous I said Jay you gotta you gotta tell her stop reading it she's gonna have a heart attack she (laughs) can't be reading this and a few days later I got this handwritten note in the mail and it said great job on those books um you're on fire but I heard you were worried about me reading this um how do you think I had three kids osmosis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny to think about that because you're talking about a ninety year old ninety-three year old who is not even your own grandma, your husband's grandma. And you oftentimes I think we forget what these ninety three year olds were actually doing when they were nineteen <laughs> and twenty and thirty, you know? I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so I have readers of all ages. That's amazing. Well, I, I highly recommend the book. I think it's fun. I think that that part of the story is important. I, I think that it like um, pulls you in more to the characters and it makes you want to know them better. And then I'm like, I want to see pictures of, uh, what's his name? (laughs) Jet. Yeah. I want to see real life pictures of jet. I actually want to see the movie, to be honest. Like if that, (laughs) if that makes me
1: sound like a a crazy weirdo person. Well, and it's, In a way, it's no different from some of the other things I write about that, I mean, to be honest, whether I've reflected on it or not, almost everything in those books touches on something personal in some way. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the characters are hybrids of different people in my life, potentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for example, I specifically told my sister, so there's another book coming out about, um, the main character in the line below her twin sister, and they're both very different. And I told my sister when she read it, I said, "I don't want you to think <laughs> these are, this, this is about us. It's actually about two sides of myself." Um, because she reads all my books, and I know she does, and I didn't want her to somehow think I was reflecting on 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 us too personally. But um, there's a lot of little things in there that. If somebody was looking for themselves in my books, they might be able to find them. So, yeah, writing is a really scary thing. It's um, I mean, I have a pen name, but at the same time, and not just with the sex scenes, but everything you're putting yourself out there and opening yourself to criticism. It's it's a little frightening.
0: Well, let's go there then, because. I open myself up to criticism every day um, Mm -hmm. on social media and on this podcast. I mean, every time I open my mouth and say something, it's like, well, there are thousands of people listening and I'm, you know, I'm not hiding from their judgment. If I didn't want to put myself out there, I don't have to. And it's hard to read harsh reviews and. Um, it can be really hurtful, especially when it's something that you've worked really hard to perfect yep. and craft. So, and you know, my sister just wrote her first book. So actually, oh, when, awesome! yeah. Um, and she did go through a publisher. So I was very intrigued by like looking at her process compared to yours. Um, but man, you know, people are, people forget that you're a human being that wrote these words. And um, there's a way to be tactful, yet still uh, productive and, and leaving a review. So how do you deal with those nasty comments or reviews that pop up?
1: So I went to this workshop once that was so helpful on this. And it started out by reading snippets of bad reviews. And they were absolutely horrific. If it had been about my book, I would have cried if I'd read these. And then she listed who the books which books they were and they were books like Harry Potter I mean <laughs> some of the most successful books out there and the point was it does not matter who you are what you're doing you, if you're creating something that's for a subjective audience could be considered art I don't know if what you do you consider art I think it's a form of art yeah totally um, It's just not everyone's going to like it. It's no matter how good it is, not everyone's going to like it. And in fact, some of the most uh, well-known works of art and most reputable have the most bad reviews, the most mixed reviews, because they are thought-provoking and they upset people and they make people think and feel. And if something makes you think and feel, some people don't like the way it makes them feel. (laughs) Um, So I kind of just except it's part of, part of the game, part of my job. I don't, you know, one of the reasons I, I didn't necessarily thrive in the practice of law as much as I do writing is because I I am sensitive and I don't let things, I don't have that, that super thick skin that some lawyers have. So I try, I actually don't read a lot of the bad reviews. I mean, I know they're there. I think it's important to acknowledge them, Yeah. but I don't, you know, I, I, I accept, criticism from my editors and people I trust who are trying to give me constructive criticism but reading bad reviews I don't think are that constructive
0: (laughs) yeah my sister decided she just wasn't going to read them because it was it was sucking too much you know positive energy out and I, I agree with you I mean there are some bad reviews that I've I've read on my podcast that um I've read them and I've thought well you're right about this and that. And that's something that I actually already knew and I'm working on. Um, But I just kind of wish you would have said it with like a kinder
1: heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think people do forget that there's an individual person behind this. They see it as entertainment for them. And so they just don't, if they were saying it to your face, they'd probably say it differently They just don't think about that, that you're sitting there on the other side of the computer reading it as if they're saying it to your face. To them, that's not how it works.
0: Yeah. And you might very well have just had like a really hard day and you're like sitting on the couch about to cry because of it. Or you could have been having a really good day and you could laugh it off. You just, you don't know what like emotional state that person is going to be in when they receive your message. Right all right everybody i want to thank a sponsor really quick before we continue this conversation and that is lola feminine care did you know the fda does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products so most don't lola offers complete transparency about their ingredients found in their tampons pads liners and wipes Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including RAN and polyester. Their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemicals, cleansing agents, fragrance, and dyes. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. This company is founded by women for women. So you guys know your body best, and Lola will give you four ways to tailor your Lola subscription to perfectly fit your needs. You choose your product type, the absorbency, the quantity, and the frequency. Who doesn't want their tampons and pads delivered monthly to their door? Because guess what happens when you don't do that? You forget, and you run out, and then you need them, and there's none in your house, and it's really inconvenient. So the subscription model really makes sense for this. I have been able to try their products myself, specifically the pads, liners, and wipes post-pregnancy. And I love knowing that the products I'm using are safe and effective. So you guys can get 40% off all subscriptions by visiting mylola.com and entering the promo code ANOTHER when you subscribe. So that's for 40% off all subscriptions. Visit mylola.com and enter ANOTHER when you subscribe. Thank you, Lola, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Go get yourself a subscription, guys. Hey, if you're traveling to Indianapolis anytime in the near future, don't forget we have an Airbnb in our carriage house. So if you have a reason to come stay in Indianapolis, we would love to host you in our new Airbnb. Brand new everything. It is just the cutest little carriage house that I kind of wish I lived in all by myself. Well, not all by myself always, but maybe like, you know, two days a week or something. I'll put the link to the Airbnb in the show notes as well. All right, guys, let's continue my conversation with Allie Dean. Okay, so we have the Pepper Jones series. We have the line below. Do we have any more books that are coming that you've already read that I haven't mentioned? I want you to share all your books with everybody because this is crowd that is listening is a very heavy on the running obviously um but just like an athletic crowd and I do think it's really fun that your books have that tie in because you do talk about the mental aspect and the physical aspect of training on top of that fun social uh, relationship aspect of these people's lives
1: yeah i i think what i when i started writing i i wrote books that i wish other people wrote i i found that you know, I want, I was like you, I was looking for something light. I was a lawyer during the day. I wanted something light and I liked romance for the happily ever after, but there weren't any female athletes represented in, in an authentic way. Um, so I wanted to write fun fiction books that weren't necessarily these memoir intense books, which are important too, but I just felt like it was missing. So I started writing about a runner cause that's, been my main sport for a long time now, Um, and that book has, that series has five books. I have the sixth one coming out in December, which is actually going to be about Pepper's professional career, so I really wanted to write about professional running, and it's a little unusual from a marketing perspective to follow someone from age 16 in high school (laughs) all the way (laughs) All the way through adulthood and would probably be ill-advised. But I also, the great thing about running your own business is you can do whatever you want. And <laughs> I really want to write about a professional career. So that, that one's coming out in December. Um, I also have a series out about a ski racer who went, who goes to um, a boarding school for elite winter athletes. And that has three books in it. I was a ski racer and I, I did go to boarding school. So Um, you know, every, all of them so far have been things that require very little research because I've done the sports. Eventually I'm going to run out of sports I've done. (laughs) Um, and then I have the other swimmer book coming out called kick in September. And then I'm going to be writing a series about a soccer player next.
0: Oh, fun. Now, were you a soccer
1: player too? I was all the sports. She did all the sports all the sports i didn't really start running until college so and
0: but yet you're very fast like you have a 301 marathon pr
1: yeah that that was the pre-baby pre-baby pr but you know i ran into um a woman at a race the other day who's very very fast she's olympic trials qualifier and she's mom of two and she's still go she's thirty-nine and she's still going for her marathon PR. So I you know, you never know. I might still be able to break that three hour barrier someday. Dude, I'm all about it. I'm
0: <laughs> I'm turning thirty five this month and I am done having babies as soon as this one comes. And so she says Oh no, mm-hmm. I cannot <laughs> physically do this again. And I um yeah, like I'm all about taking it slow this first year back, but then I'm like, heck, then I'm I'm not like gonna get pregnant again, so I can just like build and enjoy like a season here, a season there, and oh man, yeah, I I'm hoping to run PRs at 39, 40. So uh, that's awesome. How old were you when you ran your 301?
1: Um, how old was I? 26. Okay, and how old are you now? I just turned 33. Okay, so we're close in age so it's an old PR I did a marathon right before I had the kids that was I think a 303 so I've kind of been hovering there for well, while I haven't I, I say for a while it's been five years since I've done a marathon I haven't done a marathon since having kids
0: all right so you have four and a half year old twi- boy girl twins um this is an annoying question but I'm just going to ask do you was that fertility or did you just happen to get pregnant with twins
1: no it's fine to ask um I just happened to get pregnant with twins. We had no twins on either side of the family that we're aware of. And yeah, just all of a sudden, I mean, we were, we, we thought we were going to get pregnant, but we didn't expect twins. (laughs) Well, and let's
0: tell everybody your twins were born three months early, which premature twins are, are, that's common, but three months is a lot. Like, and your son, your son Knox was three pounds, one ounce. Your daughter was two pounds, one ounce. So walk us through that experience, because that had to be really emotional.
1: Yeah. So I I knew throughout the pregnancy that my body really didn't handle being pregnant well at all. Um, I was not like Neely, who is just like glowing with pregnancy <laughs> beauty the whole time. Um, I was just so uncomfortable and tired. and And so I knew the whole time that they were going to be more premature, probably, than typical prematurity for twins, and there were complications the whole time. So I was kind of pre- prepared for it. I mean, I wasn't expecting three months early, but um, I was having contractions early and... Um, so how many weeks know, were you when you delivered? I was 29 weeks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was on bed rest at the time I'm in the hospital, actually, because I was showing signs of preeclampsia. So they just did an emergency C-section because I was preeclamptic. So were they in the NICU
0: for quite some time?
1: Yeah, they were in the NICU for two months. And I mean, you know, we didn't know any different. Sure. So yeah. for us, that was just the way it was. We went to the hospital every day. And the the great thing about having them in the NICU, which, you know, I'm all about the positive was that they came home on a sleep schedule. <laughs> nice. Which made all the difference. And we were pretty strict about keeping them on the sleep schedule.
0: And you said they were in there for three months?
1: Yeah, uh, two months.
0: Two months. Okay, so how much did they weigh when you brought them home?
1: So Cora was four pounds about. She was just oh, at the weight that, that she was allowed to go in a car seat. Okay. Um, I can't remember what Knox was. He must have been. He was always a little ahead of her, so he was five pounds, I think.
0: Man, that's so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, because I was thinking, you know, especially as a first time mom, you're so paranoid about SIDS and just, just everything with the newborn stuff. And I was thinking, I think I'd be, if I had babies that small, I'd be like, please stay in the hospital because I'm terrified to like let you fall asleep or anything, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, especially once they came home, because I'd been used to having them on monitors for so long and often the monitors did, you know, go off because they, they stopped breathing at, at the time when they were in the NICU. So for me to go from having them monitored by a team of nurses all day to just me and my husband, it was, you know, I would just sit there at the crib staring at them. Like, are you still
0: breathing? How long did you leave the Did you do the monitors at home? Oh,
1: we didn't have monitors Oh, you at didn't home. do
0: monitors at home. Well, some people do those like snooze monitors where, oh. you know, and I know one of my sisters did it and I, I have just chosen not to because to me, it freaks me out to think what if it went off and like everything was fine and like the panic attack I would have uh, hearing it go off and just like the trauma. Um, and I right. ju- I usually sleep my babies in my room for at least like 10 weeks or something, but yeah, I've just chosen not to do those monitors because I, I almost feel like they'd mess with me more than if I didn't have one.
1: Yeah, and the false alarms would be oh, like, pretty scary.
0: Yeah. so But now, like they're totally healthy. They swim, they bike, they ski,
1: they do yep. race
0: running races.
1: Yep, yeah. They're really active kids. I mean, like any parents, we have them do all the things we do because we want them to be able to do them with us. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it's a good... I feel like it's a good example for people who are going through a rough pregnancy or have premature babies to see, you know, they can, in four years, it might just be kind of a a story from the past that ultimately didn't end up having any severe long-term effects. I think you know, my daughter's gross motor skills are probably a little bit affected. It's hard to to know for sure, that kind of thing. But
0: yeah. So you're in a good place right now. They're four and a half. Do you want more kids? Yeah, we get that question a lot. We I'm like asking all the questions you're not supposed
1: to ask people. <laughs> no, I love it. It's great. We it depends on the day. I think sometimes we say we do other times it's like, wow, we're at such a great point. We can go yeah. camping and totally all that. And why would we want to have more But <laughs> we 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 have ended up originally, we thought we'd do it right away. But I was so concerned, I'd have twins again. And just with the pregnancy, the way it went, I was really nervous about it. So we, we kept waiting. And now there's a large enough gap that it's like, okay, well, there's already a large enough gap, whether we do it now or two years, there's going to be a big gap between the kids age wise. So we're still kind of it's still up in there. air. We had a lot of changes with my career change and everything that it's like one change at a time. Totally.
0: Yeah. I have a good friend whose kids are seven and five. And for a while there, she was kind of waffling. And I think she keeps seeing me have babies and she gets a little bit of baby fever. Like she wants to hold that newborn, but she's totally. like, man, like we're in such a good place just as far as kids are still hard, but I'm like, they're
1: so independent, you know? Right, right. And it's the same for me. I mean, a lot of women now have their first kids in their mid 30s. So I have a lot of friends having their first baby now or pregnant. And I I certainly get the baby fever because I only went through it once. I mean, it was with two, but it all happened at once. So um, I certainly would love to do it again. But, you know, and then we'll have A rough night with one of the twins, rarely. Sure. They're four and a half, but every once in a while, and we'll be sleep deprived, and we're like, oh, that sleep deprivation. (laughs) That's hard, man. (laughs) Forgot about how hard that is. So. Yeah. I want, I,
0: I've oftentimes said like I could skip the newborn phase because it's just like so exhausting and I'm like, you're too fragile. I want you to be able to hold your head up. Like I just, I need you to come out like at least 12 pounds, but I I don't (laughs) actually want to deliver you that large, but like, I need you to be that weight in the next two days. Um, but I I keep wondering if this time around, knowing that I I'm we're not planning on doing this again, if I'm going to be a little bit more like you know, lovey and and embracing it because I know this is the last little newborn that I'll I'll hold. Yeah, of my own, yeah. of my own. I'll I'll hold other people's babies.
1: And the did the boys love it too? The older boys that we're having another baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, the, they love
1: having a baby. Yeah.
0: They're really excited. I mean, I'm quite frankly terrified about my youngest because he is just a terror and he's just not very gentle. Obviously he's a twenty twenty <laughs> one 21 month old little yeah. boy. Um, yep. mm-hmm. He's by far my most wild of the three, as far as like getting into things and climbing on things. And, um, actually we were just with my, one of my best friends, Emily, and she has a four month old daughter and, I mean he's very intrigued by the baby, trying to give him give her their baby kisses and just kind of like mm-hmm. a little all too up in her business and then he <laughs> grabbed <laughs> yeah. this like handful of grass and just like threw it in her face. I'm like, You just grassed her. Like why 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 did you throw that in her face? I'm trying to get her to react to me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um it'll be challenging to keep him safe from Russ, I think. But other than that, yeah, they <laughs> I think they'll adore the baby, and it'll be it'll all be things that we can laugh at later. So, you're a working mom, but you're working from home now, and your your little Mm -hmm. people are in like a preschool program. So, tell me what the work life balance uh, looks like for you now that you've become a full time author.
1: So, it's a lot easier than it was as a lawyer because I'm in complete control of my schedule. But as you can probably relate to, you have to be a really disciplined person um, in order to actually accomplish anything when you're self-employed. Because especially as a mom, there are a million non-work tasks that you can be doing when you have alone time without your children, um, just errands and chores. So I have to be really disciplined about getting to my actual work ignoring the you know tornado that passed through my kitchen and just get right to the writing but it's great to have the flexibility if a kid is sick I you know the only person affected by the schedule change is me and I can reschedule myself later if necessary unless I have a podcast interview and cancel on them but, <laughs> <laughs> um for the most part, it's usually just me. So I I actually in order to ensure that I, I do get that valuable writing time and I have a couple of writing groups I meet with a couple times a week just to make sure I get out of the house for solid three hour chunks at a time. Um so that's been really great too.
0: Well, and you might be a better person than me, but I struggle <laughs> with um sometimes I struggle with knowing that I'm working, I work, I mean, I work part-time. Like this is definitely not completely full-time because I'm with my kids quite a bit. But sometimes I struggle with like resentment to my husband because I'm like, I'm running this business, I'm working part-time, but anytime I'm not working... I am home with our kids so much more than you. And that emotional drain is very difficult for me. And so sometimes I get resentful because he gets home from work at six and then they're in bed in the, within the next two hours. And I'm just like so exhausted because even on the days I work, I'm home by three thirty or four, you know, and I still have those hours. So do you right. d- do you deal with that at all? Or am I just like yeah, a terrible no, I'm person? i glad you brought
1: that up. I I probably wouldn't have brought that up unless you you raised it. It is it is really interesting redefining your parental roles in a job that has this much flexibility because by default you become the primary parent just because you have the flexibility. My husband's a physical therapist, so if a kid's sick, he's not going to be the one to cancel you know his ten patients that day. Um, right. So I'm the main the main. Parent, in terms of being with the kids time wise, um, doctor's appointments, doctor's appointments, and the errands and packing lunches and that kind of thing, Um, which is fine. I'm not necessarily resentful about that. But the hard thing is, you are running, I am running a business. And yeah, I do feel like I'm trying so hard that now this is a new full time job. I'm trying so hard for it to be a success. I want it to be successful. But I'm also the, the main parent. And so, you know, last week my kids were sick and my whole plan to get all this done before I went on vacation kind of went out the window. Right. So now I'm kind of working on vacation and I'm sort of resentful of having that job where it's just like done at a certain time. And not that I ever really had a job like that, but
0: Yeah.
1: um, yeah, but yeah, there is, it is a shifting dynamic where you have to kind of redefine whose role is what and what the expectations are. And I think I need to be a little better about making sure I have the time I need to get my work done if I actually expect to succeed. That's
0: so true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about that all the time because I'm like, well, Lindsay, like if you need to make the investment and pick up another babysitter day, um, not only so that your business can be su- more successful and you can put more time into this, but just also so that you can breathe a little bit. And mm-hmm. and you can only get so far ahead if you get only have so much time. I mean, there are so many evenings at like, you know, eight or 9 PM where my husband, you know, he, he's like an eight to five guy too. And he, I, Hey, I respect him for that. Like I, I love that he does not come home and work and get on his email or do anything with work. Once he's home, he is hands-on with the kids and it's amazing. Um, but sometimes I have like at 9 PM and I'm like, man, I have to finish this editing or do this, but I have to remind myself like you, well, you chose this and And really, you like the flexibility and you don't want to be away from your kids that much. It's just um, finding that I don't even know what it is, but it's um, it's it's getting yourself to a place where you don't resent that person because they're putting their feet up at 9 p.m. and you still have work to do. But you're just not going to be able to 100 percent always be. Oh, you, you worked all day, too. Like I can't I'm just like. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I think you understand what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, being with kids is a different job altogether and it's draining and you have no you time, you know? I mean, I remember when I went back to the loft after having the twins and it was just so nice to go into a clean office that was quiet. I, I never thought I'd appreciate just an office with that was clean with like no commotion or chaos or screaming. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, because it was just total chaos at our house, you know? And just having that escape from just not an escape from your family, but just a moment to sort of, like you said, sort of breathe and collect yourself and be yourself for a little while without kids screaming and climbing on you. And it really
0: yeah. is like about breathing because. <laughs> last night I I will tell you I was laid on the couch and everybody was being so loud and that just the two older ones were awake still um but people they kept climbing on me and I have the I'm like 39 (laughs) weeks pregnant and I was just like I really truly feel like I am borderline gonna have a panic attack right now because I can't breathe and nobody will stop talking so I told my husband I was like I'm sorry like I have to go upstairs and just like Not have people in my ear because I feel like this pressure, uh, like coming down on my head and my shoulders. And it's like, if you weren't here right now, I don't know what I would do. (laughs) Like, if you weren't here to to support this and say, "Yeah, go upstairs, I'll I'll deal with this," I would be crazy. But I mean, I think a lot of that too has to do with being so pregnant, and you know, you feel a little bit claustrophobic when you are so pregnant.
1: Yeah, I never got that pregnant, so I can't, I can't relate to that. You might have but felt this pregnant 29 weeks with twins, though. Yeah, I did. I mean, I gained like 50 pounds in 29 weeks. Yeah, I you felt this pregnant, then, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so um, before we do our end of the podcast questions, we mentioned you have that marathon PR that's really fast, and you're 33. You don't know if you want to have more kids or not, but you do want to, do you want to break that sub? barrier what
1: kind of a question is that (laughs) of course I do yeah I mean it's you come that close a couple times it's like just taunting you like come on do it so yeah someday
0: were you frustrated I mean elated that you ran such a great race and a a great time but were you frustrated that you were
1: so close you could taste it oh no not at all I was I was flabbergasted that I ran that fast oh really uh, okay the first time um that I got that close because, because
0: you did a 303
1: I had, too, right? Yeah. And that one I knew I was still actually really happy with that time because I knew I hadn't, my training hadn't gone how exactly how I wanted, you know, you just know it's not gonna. So it so I was actually really happy with 303 that time too, but the 301, I, um, yeah, I, I had barely, Done any training. It was sort of a miracle race. I don't really know what happened. But <laughs> the, the race that was most frustrating for me, I was in the best. After I ran the 301, I was like, oh, if I can run a 3 run without much training, what can I do with training? So I trained really, really hard for Boston next year. And I'm sure everyone who's run a marathon has had a marathon like this. But I was in the best shape of my life and it just wasn't my day. I don't know why, but it wasn't my day. I felt awful and i tried to run the first half at like 250 pace and i just died i still ran a 310 which i mean now you know i'm like oh my god a 310 like i don't know if i'll ever be able to do that again but um at the time i was devastated i was just so upset um but, you know, we've all been there. So. Yeah, you had you
0: must have felt really bad if you went out at 250 pace for the first half and ended up at a 310 because that's a super respectable marathon time. But that's a super positive negative split. So you must have felt like crap.
1: Yeah, it was bad. I was like gray and ashen. Like my body <laughs> was
0: just whacked out. Yeah.
1: What year oh. was that? What year was that 2011, I think. Okay. I'm
0: trying to yeah. think like all the different weather years in Boston, but I can't remember them all.
1: It wasn't even the weather. I think the weather was average. Yeah, yeah, they do, like they've had some crazy weather.
0: Well, you are going to break it for sure. What would, when you say you didn't train much for the three Oh one, what like, were you just like running three days a week? Like what were
1: you doing? It was probably more than that. So I had done one marathon before that, where that one I literally had never trained for my first marathon was on a whim with my college roommate senior week and right before we graduated. And I never run more than like eight miles in my life. And I still finish, but my goal was just to finish. I basically ran as slow as I possibly could just to try to finish. So my next one, I had been doing long runs. um, And I, I, I don't remember exactly. um, But I went, my, PR before that had been 345 from the one I really didn't train for. So the next one I, I did run consistently, but I wasn't really following a training program. I don't think I ran lot longer than maybe 15 miles for a training run. Um, So, so these
0: are the things you can do in your early twenties is, is run eight miles for a long run and then go run a marathon. Um, and, and for anybody listening that train has trained really hard for a 345 marathon, we all know that Allie is clearly a gifted runner.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That was really, yeah. Sometimes I I know I'm talking to someone who's a runner, so I feel like I can say that. No,
0: you totally (laughs) can,
1: but you know that, I mean, you're an
0: athlete. You're just, that's, it's in your blood.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been doing sports
0: since I was 5 years old, so <laughs> I well, I'm excited to see I I would love to see you do like a training cycle where you you know do like 60 miles or something for the week and have a really good block and um at 39 or 40 or 42 run yeah. like a 250.
1: That would be really cool. And I think it's just you know, you life, life happens. You have kids at supposedly your peak marathon age and, and career changes and you got to do life, but it doesn't mean you have to like totally give up on, on those goals. So we'll see. All
0: right, Allie. So what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: So I do want to, aside from this, uh, three hour, um, I, I do want to make, USA Today or New York Times bestseller list with my one of my books eventually, um, which means I have to go wide. So right now my books are only available on Amazon, so I need to start selling them on more platforms, and so that's one of my professional goals.
0: So does that mean uh, more hard copies of the book?
1: Not necessarily, okay. um, but I do. So there's a lot of other ebook platforms out there, uh, Kobo, Barnes and Noble Nook. Um, Google Play, iTunes. So is that like more that.
0: expensive for you to do?
1: No. Um, I just, the the only difference is that you can't also have your book in Kindle Unlimited, which is a monthly subscription oh, yeah. okay. for um, readers. And so I, I make money off of Kindle Unlimited, but if you are in Kindle Unlimited, you can't be on the other platforms. So I just need to decide. I don't I don't have to decide for all the books at the same time. I can put some books on all the platforms and leave some in Kindle Unlimited. It's just these are sort of the business decisions that I need to do some research and become informed because at the end of the day, I'm the CEO, COO, CMO, CFO, all those things. So I need to make sure I'm making an informed decision.
0: Yeah, because what are you going to do differently to market to a more wide range of people. I mean, um, I feel you didn't you say that you hadn't marketed too much to runners and I feel like this is like right where right where you need to be like on a podcast like this, for instance, like there's so many runners listening. Um, how do you get in front of these kinds of people?
1: Yeah, I was shy about getting in front of athletes and marketing to athletes because of the romance element. Um, I just wasn't sure. You know, athletes often have, especially endurance athletes, which are the types of athletes I tend to write about, um, have sort of this, like, wholesome image. Um, and while I think my characters are like that, and like I said, are very, my books are very PG in the romance realm, it's still the romance realm. So I had been shy about doing that, but I think I need to just get over it and um, approach athletes and um other platforms like this about my books and they can make a decision for themselves if they're interested in um, promoting it or not. But a lot of it's very grassroots when it comes to promoting books.
0: Yeah. I, I feel the same way you have to just own it and shamelessly plug. I mean, there was a time and I actually, I still plan on doing this. Um, There was a time with my show when I would do some grassroots roots things where I would literally just get online and Google different running stores across the country and be like, I'm going to pick 10 stores and I'm going to send my business card with a little note that says, I have a podcast about running. I would love for you to check it out. Um, now I haven't done that in a while and I'm not above doing that. I, sh- I actually, sh- I should like make it a goal to do it. Like do 10, 10 notes a week, you know, something like right, that. Right. Um, because I think that people get shy like, Oh, I, you know, I don't want to like, shamelessly promote myself, but nobody cares about what your job is or what your book is or what my podcast is as much as I do. So like, nobody's gonna
1: do that for me or you. Well, and the thing is, no one's gonna know about your books if you don't promote them. I mean, I think a lot of runners would love the Pepper Jones book because it's a book that doesn't exist anywhere else. You know, it's a fun book about a runner who it depicts training accurately but it has all the fun stuff of it too which but runners don't know about it cuz i haven't promoted it to runners you know um because i was shy and i think that god no one would ever described me as shy but i was <laughs> when it comes to self promotion i am i have a really hard time yeah. self promoting it's it's awkward um it is but i think that i you know i have i have a good friend who's an author who's also a lawyer um, and she's from New York and she's very New York about her books and she isn't not shy at all. And I have so much respect for her and I, I need to be more like her. I'm like, I good for you. You know, she just goes after it. She asks the biggest bloggers to read her books and sometimes they actually do. And then she reaches a hundred thousand people because right. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I just
0: need to do it. I need to just ask. <laughs> yeah. You just have to not care. And just, and if they say no, They say no, and no can feel hurtful, but that's okay. You can get your thicker skin.
1: Yeah, I got to work on it.
0: Uh, What is an accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: Being a mom, definitely. I mean, I know it sounds silly because, in theory, anyone can become a mom through (laughs) having a baby or adopting. (laughs) But um, it's definitely the most rewarding and challenging thing I've ever done, and I love it
0: what is one message you'd like to send to the world?
1: Um, I would say um, don't be afraid to go after what you want. I think as you may have heard a little bit, fear has held me back um, somewhat from going after what I want. And once I admitted, I really did want to be a writer. um, It just feels so good to be going after. I still have some other things I'm afraid of within that, that I need to keep working on, but um, don't be afraid to... Go after what you want. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So, you know, a book I read that I think would actually resonate a lot with you, Lindsay, that you would like is by Penny Reed. Um, She, she, I think was a, some sort of scientist who now writes full time. She has three kids and she writes what she calls funny, smart romance. And i I can't remember the title it has the word ninja in the, ninja ninja in it um i think it's like ninja at first sight or something and it's about a couple who've actually been married for a long time and sort of she doesn't feel she's a stay at home mom who used to be a cia agent and she doesn't feel like her role is respected enough um so it's very real life um and I think a lot of women would be able to relate to it. But it also has, you know, sort of some unrealistic things involved where the husband gets kidnapped and stuff that make it fun. <laughs> make it stuff. fun and, yeah, not too real life that it's boring, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Oh, that sounds good.
0: Um, All right, Allie. Well, thanks for sharing with us today. As you can tell, I was, like – super intrigued with all the book writing stuff. I just I love learning about things like that. So thanks for sharing your insight. And everybody go pick up um where should they start? Should they start with Pepper Jones or should they start with the line below? What do you think?
1: Well, you know, if you're a runner, I start with Pepped Up. Um because if you like it, then you can catch up with the series in time for the sixth book to come out about pepper's professional running career um but if you want to read my most recent release about a swimmer you should pick up the line below which you know that's the one that's a little more mature that we talked about
0: yeah (laughs) well well, and also like everybody listening like i'm 34 and i liked the line below i mean you know it's like it's like the twilight series like all these young kids liked it but like i really liked it as an adult too
1: Yeah, I mean, my 93-year-old grandmother, I'm telling you, biggest yes.
0: fan. Oh, I love her. What's her name again?
1: Lois. Lois.
0: Oh, my gosh. I always said if Lewis, my Lewis, if I didn't have a Lewis as a boy and I had a girl, which clearly I don't make girls or my husband doesn't make girls, we only have boys, <laughs> I would totally use the name Lois for a, a girl. I love it so
1: much. Lois is like the quintessential grandmother she knits and bakes cookies and um says things like that's peachy and apparently reads romance too
0: and reads books with mature content yep (laughs) all right Allie well enjoy the rest of your vacation thanks so much for your time today thank you Lindsay all right talk soon talk soon bye bye all right guys Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Allie, for coming on and sharing your story. You guys, go pick up one of Allie's books. I will put links to purchase all of her books in my show notes. They are fun, fast, and easy to read. And they really pull you in. I was into those characters. I actually can't wait to read the follow-up book. I read the line below, and I can't wait to read the next one, which is Kick's Story. I think it's just called Kick. Um, but it's the story of the main character sister from the book of the original one that I read. So you guys check it out, support a author and um someone who I consider a friend now. Hey, you guys can follow me on Instagram, I'm Lindsay Hine626. You can find me on Twitter, I'm at Lindsay Hine and Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Make sure you join our group over there and get to know the rest of this community. Links to all of that will be in the show notes, LindseyHine.com. Thank you, PrepDish, prepdish.com another. You guys will get a free two-week trial of PrepDish. All right, guys, and don't forget, check out the Rise Run Retreat Race Weekend Meetup where I am doing a live show. Super excited about that. The live show is Friday, November 9th, and it is in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I'll have Katie Edwards, Jessica Goldman, and Deb Gardner For a live podcast there. I am so excited to meet up with friends and there will be awesome swag bags. We're going to have refreshments, a cash bar, and you guys are going to walk away feeling like you had the perfect girls night out. Head over to my show notes, lindseyhind.com, and the link to register for that event will be over there. All right, guys, I appreciate you so much. Have a great Friday, a wonderful weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.